How many of you guys this week were able to go through our Journey to the Cross event in the other building? Yeah, raise your hand, raise your hand loud and proud. Did you enjoy that? Was that great? For us, this week uh, culminates, of course, this Easter. Starts Sunday with our Palm Sunday with Pastor G, who brought a great word. But during the week, we've been working hard, trying to give you a platform, give us a place to be able to slow down. I heard one author say it's impossible to be a disciple of Jesus living a hurried life. Isn't that true? So frantic and crazy. So having that journey to the cross, if you didn't get to experience that, we'll do it next year. It was great. Just stations to the cross. We have to reflect. Greatest Bible study you can ever have. And so what, well, I wanted to mention that, first of all, to say thank you to all of our volunteers, all of our staff that helped turn that building around and create that space. Can we give them a hand in this place and just say thank you? It's a lot of work. And I also wanted to, I don't know if you saw uh, Xavier, who was up there, the little boy, beautiful little boy on the right, went through Journey of the Cross, had all these questions for his parents, and at the end said, I want to know Jesus, gave his life to Jesus. And so we were so thankful to be able to pray with him. Dewan will tell us all about it, but he's going to be doing announcements from now on and preaching the gospel soon. So we're thankful to have him. Hey, if you're new with us, we're so thankful that you're here. If you're joining us online, we're thankful that you are doing that as well. We know there's a lot of places you could go, but you chose to be here. You chose to put pants on here in this room today, and that's a big deal for us. So we're thankful that you are here. My name is Chris Pate. I'm the lead pastor here. And again, if you are new, we say this constantly in our church. We exist as a church to first honor God, and then we want to establish Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, and socially responsible disciples in our city. It, we're passionate about this, so not just Easter, but every day that Jesus is worthy of all of us and to center our life around. We say this often that he's not just like the first of the priorities and then we move on with our day, but literally like the sun, we orbit around him and he affects our family, our work, everything that we do, we give back to him and he is able to give us life for that. And then after that, we believe we should be spirit empowered. And, and when you're working and working hard to make Jesus the center of your life, you soon come to the end of yourself and go, I need more. And that's where the Holy Spirit is here to empower you, to help you. Now, a lot of churches don't talk about the Holy Spirit. He's like Bruno. We don't talk about Bruno. No, 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 right? But we are not afraid of the Holy Spirit because his job isn't to make you weird, his job is to help you be like Jesus and ultimately take that Christ-centeredness to be socially responsible and do something in our world to help, to change, to further the kingdom of God just as Jesus started. And what we get, have the opportunity today to celebrate this Easter Sunday. Turn to somebody on your right or left and say, Happy Easter. Look around the room. You might see people you haven't seen in a long time, especially if you've never been here. So... Uh, I want to start today in the book of Matthew, chapter 26. If you have your Bible, open it up. You can check it out on the screen. We have it for you or light it up on your phone. Whatever you do, the word of God is valuable to us. And we are going to start, we're going to be in Matthew 26, 6 through 16 today. Check this out. We're going to start. Now, when Jesus was at Bethany... In the house of Simon the leper, 
A woman came up to him with an alabaster flask of very expensive ointment. And she poured it on his head as he reclined at table. And when the disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? For this could have been sold for a large sum and given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. In pouring this ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare me for real. Truly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Then... One of the 12, whose name was Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, what will you give me if I deliver him over to you? And they paid him 30 pieces of silver. And from that moment, he sought an opportunity to betray him. This is the word of our Lord. If I was to title this message today for Easter Sunday, it would be Evaluating Easter. Evaluating Easter. We see in life different values. In this story, we have someone who extremely values Jesus to the point of pouring out a family heirloom that's worth, the scripture will say, and theologians will say, the amount was about a year's worth of salary. And that extreme value of who Jesus is and what he's about to do poured on him. And then in the very next paragraph, someone who had walked with him only values him, estimates the value of him at 30 pieces of silver. I remember... uh, a little over 21 years ago, me and my wife got married. It's easy to remember our anniversary because we were married December of 2000, December 17th, 2000. So right now, I mean, it's easy. We know how many years I've been married. Okay, it's 2022. We're like almost there, right? And I remember when we first got married, we had, you know, all the family came in and we have broken home, all divorce all throughout our family. I didn't grow up this easy, great life with just a beautiful parents. And now I'm preaching the gospel. Like it was broken. It was tough in the Pate family. Still is, because we put the fun and dysfunctional, right? Just like some of you and your family. I remember we got married and we moved. We got married in Brownwood, Texas, and we moved in 2001 to Elk City, Oklahoma. We ended up at this Assembly of God church where me and my wife led worship and did youth ministry. And we're doing that. We're, We're in the ministry immediately, young fervent for the Lord, like, love God, let's go. And we weren't ready to build our family, but we knew we wanted to extend our family. So we decided just like six months into our marriage, we're going to get a dog. Any dog lovers in here? Yeah, a couple dog lovers, come on. Cat lovers? Okay, awesome, the exit's right over there. Um, so uh, just kidding, just kidding. Just, we love all God's creatures. Um, we decided we wanted a dog because we're socially responsible. Those are cats. You don't have to take care of their stuff. You know what I'm saying? They just do their own thing. But we decided, see how morally superior we are. Just kidding. But we decided 
we wanted a dog. And I always grew up with like these little house dogs, these schnauzers. And, uh, and, and they, you know, the yappy, but, but they're fun. They're in the house, you know, they're little lap dogs. And so, you know, I'm not like, I want the big lap dog, like G over here. He's a real man. He lifts weights and then he picks up his dogs and it's awesome. And so for me, we were like, okay, we want this little, little dog. So this is me and my wife, and this is our first pet. And we named him Jazz. He was a Jack Russell Terrier, full purebred. So he was expensive. Um, and not only was he expensive, but I mean, he was valuable to us. He was like the first member of our family. Some of you have this feeling right now. And so for us, it was tiring, but worth the long nights when he's whimpering at night and he's peeing and, and we're having to take the, the pee pods. I mean, we took him to our office at the church. Don't tell anybody, but you know, and like we took him everywhere. It's like Paris Hilton with her old like purse. And like, we took this dog everywhere. We valued this dog. We loved this dog so much. When I was 23, we had our first child, Addison. He's right here in the front row, about to go to college. And uh, I still remember the day when Addison was a toddler and Jazz snapped at him. That dog lost value that day. That dog came a, became from a lap dog, inside dog, comfort, AC, this is awesome, to have fun outside. Because the value of my son was greater. No offense, not that that wasn't my kid. I know you're like, the dog is part of the family. Yes, but when you snap at my firstborn son, you have lost your privileges. And your value has depreciated, decreased in value in our eyes unfortunately, and sadly for the dog. There was that jealousy and all of those things that come out in dogs in that time. I want to talk about this word evaluate or evaluation. In the dictionary, it's the making of a judgment about the amount, number, or value of something. You know, Easter Sunday is the time we put our value, we put our worth a lot of times in, in Jesus and who he is and what he's done in our life. And we have different levels and reasons why we value different things. We value people based on the number of clicks or likes they have. Their value goes up and therefore they can create a brand or be an author of a book because their value is higher than someone else's. We value because of cost and demand certain things. I, I remember uh, for my son who uh, wants to go into the ministry, so he's going to Abilene Christian University in the fall. We have been planning a trip to Israel to be able to do a biblical study tour. We're nerds like that, and he loves it. We're excited. Our whole family, minus Jackson, is going. And so saving up, trying to go. And I remember clicking and trying to get the value of an airplane ticket to Israel from Houston. And it has skyrocketed because everyone and their dog and cat are trying to leave now that COVID has gone down. Man, the value of the flights. In fact, I, I misread the dates and I got the wrong flight. So I had to correct it to a day later and it cost me almost 200 more per person for just to change the flight because the value was driven up. We see this in gas. I mean, I am surprised you're here because it's so expensive to drive today. 
I know the Patels drive from Katy. You guys are, you know, take a percent off your tithe. We appreciate it. Thank you. We just love you for doing it. God bless you guys. The, the value of things fluctuates by society, by, by what's popular or what is not. We saw this last year with GameStop and the value of GameStop being driven by people up to $500 per share, down from like 17 and then of course crashed again and everybody went, oh no, sell, 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 sell. Value fluctuates up and down. The most interesting thing about value that I've found recently are in these things called NFTs. Anybody know what an NFT is? If you're over 30, you probably don't. I've talked to a few people that are like, what is this? SNL recently did a skit about it. People are going crazy about NFTs. An NFT, according to Forbes magazine, who just recently did an article to explain what it is, says this, an NFT is a digital asset stands for non-fungible token. It's a digital asset that represents real-world objects like art, music, in-game items, and videos. It could be like a dunk from Michael Jordan that you can purchase and own and be the author of. They are bought and sold online frequently with cryptocurrency, and they are generally encoded with the same underlying software as many cryptos. Many people have been talking about this, many are going, what is this thing? And I thought it was just very interesting how we have valued this and the value that has gone skyrocket in this. And it's very interesting. Theverge.com recently did an interesting article on two Coinbase employees that have managed to find a heartwarming use for their NFT by incorporating them into their wedding, exchanging the di digital tokens instead of wedding rings, the digital tokens as a part of the ceremony. So Rebecca Rose and Peter Kaczerzynski say that alongside their traditional Jewish ceremony, the couple also send each other digital tokens as virtual rings to each other. In a Twitter th thread about the wedding, Rose said that their virtual rings now exist on the blockchain, which is where those things are held so you know who owns it, who has the right to it, how long they've owned it. For all to see as proof of our commitment of each other. What's interesting is even games and different designers have created not only art, but games. There's this game called Crypto Kitties and allows user, it allowed a user to trade and sell virtual kittens. And this one right here that you're looking at, that I now own, okay, uh, because I took a picture of it. Uh, I'm not the original owner, but I have it the same way the original owner has it. It sold for $170,000. I bought my house in 2014 for $220,000. Hundred and said, how we value things is interesting, isn't it? Here's, here's an interesting one. This is why this idea of NFT went, the NFTs went through the roof in 2021. This next picture right here. How much do you think it went for and sold for? Anybody? Come on, auction. Anybody? 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 Three million. Do I have three million? Three million? Anybody? Three million? Three million? Four million? Four million? Try sixty-nine million dollars. That's 15 million less than Monet's painting was sold, one of Monet's paintings in 2014. Value is a very interesting thing. I've been thinking about this in Journey to the Cross and Easter and the value of Jesus, the value of the cross, how it's estimated, what I'm willing to sacrifice for it. 
and what its value means to me or doesn't mean to me. I thought it's interesting you see Jesus was born in Bethlehem, and this is just a picture from a movie called The Nativity Story. It's not an actual event. Sorry, it was not there. Um, but what we read in Scripture is you have these wise men, these magi, and, and these magis are there, and it's not just three. We say three wise men, and we have nativity set. There were many of them. They were wise. They were philosophers. They read the stars and used it to understand time and what was going on, understand how to have direction and where to go. And you know the story, they approach Jesus, just his birth. Not only them, but angels visit the lower class shepherds, the blue collar people, while the white collar people are looking and have gold and myrrh and incense and value Jesus as the Messiah, as the one we've been praying for, the one to save Israel, the one to save the world. They valued him so high, they were willing to trek, sacrifice, and even give of their finest to him. And we go from this to this, what we just read. One of his disciples who valued Jesus at 30 silver tokens. 30 silver tokens, which is equivalent to our market around anywhere from 90 to $400 as silver fluctuates quite a bit in value. From gold, incense, myrrh, angels, to 30 silver tokens. What's interesting is when, when the Bible gives you certain details, the Bible is written over thousands of years with many, many authors. And so when it gives you certain details, a lot of times, especially in the New Testament, it is hyperlinking back to something in the Old Testament that we're supposed to go, oh. And in this, the idea of 30 silver coins comes out of Exodus 21, where it says this as a part of the law. If the ox gores a slave, male or female, the owner shall give to their master 30 shekels of silver, and the ox shall be stoned. It's interesting the value of that slave at that time as a worker, either paying off his debts or someone that a, a, from a, some city or nation that they conquered that came now under the household. If that, if that slave accidentally died, the law says the value now is this 30 pieces of silver. And then now hyperlink to Jesus, this is the value, the estimate the evaluation of the worth of Jesus in one person's eyes. I would go on to say to many people's eyes as he's put on a cross, stripped naked, he was shamed so that we don't have to be anymore. On a cross, bleeding, beaten, deformed, his clothes cast lots between the soldiers, public trial and execution, the value of Jesus. Made me think about how we value things in life. And I wanna ask you four questions today. 
how much do you, do I, value what Jesus did on the cross? How valuable is it really? Is it something that is to be appreciated? The word appreciate means to increase in value. Or does it depreciate? Does it decrease in value in my life? Maybe some of us started just amazed at who Jesus was. Or you're reminded at Easter, wow, look at the cross. And then we just move on and slowly lose the value of our relationship with God. How about this question? How do you show him? How do I show him that he is the most valuable person, asset, thing in your life? Typically, we show what is valuable with our time. You know, everyone in here has the same amount of time this week, 168 hours, every person. Nobody is more privileged than someone else with the time that you have. And what you do with that time and what you're willing to sacrifice actually shows the ledger of what you value. How do we show him value? It's interesting, the, the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans, in Romans chapter 12, he goes on this beautiful soliloquy about what we should do, how we should sacrifice. But he starts this, look what he says. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy. Now stop, stop there. He has just written 11 chapters. Now back then there weren't chapters and verses. We added that later to help us. But he had just written 11 chapters of a letter to the church in Rome. And out of that, he gives an exquisite, beautiful look of the gospel. And one of the things he says is, Listen, while you were a sinner, Christ died. Not in your like beautiful, you were you're perfect, like you, you helped the old lady across the street or you gave your money away, whatever. Then, of course, yeah, you deserve it because you're such a great person. He says, in your worst place, while you were a sinner, Christ died for you. And he goes on to explain how beautiful that is, how grace works, how faith works, how they don't contradict each other, but they work together. And then he... He gets to this point a little more than halfway in chapter 12, and he says, therefore, because of everything I just explained, I urge you, he's talking to the church, in view of everything we just saw, the mercy of God, that's so beautiful. Here's what he says. Here's how you show God. Offer your body as a living sacrifice. This is, this is the same kind of semblance as they used to bring the lamb or the goat to sacrifice, to cover or atone for the sin of the people. Now, we don't have to do that anymore. Thank God. Jesus did it once and for all, but he said, in view, look how, look how amazing Jesus is. Look what he would do. Look at the value of Jesus. How could we not have our response be, have all of me? I give my life, my love, my all to you. And he says that, offer your body now as a living sacrifice. Holy, which just means set apart. It's not this weird religion. It just means you're different than other people. And everyone wants to be different, really. And then we end up just conforming to look like everybody else or our own little tribe or our group. He says, no, no, holy 
and pleasing to God. And he says, this is your spiritual act of worship. The word worship means what you give worth to, what you give value to. It's not just singing a song, raising a hand. It's what you give worth. This is spiritual worship, he says. And then he goes on and says, don't conform any longer to the pattern or the ways of the world, but be transformed, metanoia. This means repent. This is the same word. And he says this, by renewing your mind, changing the way you think about everything, the way about God, about people, about life, about tribes, about politics, like it changes everything. And he says, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. How do we do this? We offer in view of how amazing he is and how valuable he is. It's the least I could do. And that's all he wants is our surrender, our willingness to say, I know I'm either gonna serve that or serve me. You are worthy to serve Jesus. That was a good place for an amen, but um, next week. Here's another question. Do you guard your relationship with God like a treasure? If, if your relationship with God is the most valuable thing, I mean, that's what it means to be a Christian. It's a little Christ, like, I want to be like you. I want to walk like you and talk like you. You're the most valuable thing in my life. If that's true, do you guard that? You know, if, if, if you had a family heirloom or you had gold, you had something that is really precious to your family, you don't just keep it out on the counter you don't just put it on the dash of your car, your car like you, you have a safe place for it. In fact, what's beautiful about this alabaster flask that we saw that Mary brought to Jesus is it, not only was it expensive, it says in scripture, right? It was worth a year's salary. Not only that, but many scholars believe that was the very thing that she would have offered to her future husband as a dowry. So this is something that is so much more than just a valuable, valuable in number, but an intimacy and family, and she gives it to Jesus. Do we, do we guard our relationships like that? And I would say a lot of times we don't, or maybe we start that way, but we drift slowly because we think everything that glitters is gold. And so, oh, that's worth it. That's worth it. And we go over this and this and this. And John Calvin says this beautiful thing, this theologian, he says this, that our hearts are idol-making factories. We're just like, ooh, this, this, this. And then we shift and we think, no, that's not that, this, this, this. And we're just constantly trying to find something to give worth to, to give value to. And yet we belittle the value of the cross and the resurrection in our aim to do this. I love C.S. Lewis in his book, The Weight of Glory. He says this, if there lurks in most modern minds the notion that to desire our own good and earnestly to hope for the enjoyment of it is a bad thing, I submit that this notion has crept in from Kant and the Stoics and is no part of the Christian faith. Indeed, listen to this. If we consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the gospel, unending joy, peace, patience, relationship with God, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. 
We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because we cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. That's true in my life. Now you might say, wow, Chris, this is a strong Easter message. Um, Jesus is risen. (laughs) Because here's the truth. You'll never do enough to show the incredible worth and value of Jesus. You'll never do it. I'll never do it. And we could just leave here with like this challenge, go do better. And we all go, I'm gonna do better. And then you go about and you trade in mud pies, you trade in, you're far too easily pleased because just knowing what to do doesn't change you. It just feels like work. And your heart's constantly distracted. And you know why I know that about you? Because I'm the same way. I don't value Jesus the way I need to value Jesus when I'm just doing it to show him, I love you so much to earn my way to his presence. Come to church and you're like, man, should I step in there? I might get electrocuted. If God knew what I, oh wait, God does know what I did. As if he is only present here and not with you, like he said I will be till the end of the age. Here's the deal. There's good news in this. And here's the last question. And I think the key to really getting transformation in your heart. Do you see the value he placed on you on the cross and in his resurrection? When you see how much he loves you and the value he puts in you, it actually becomes easy to go, I love him too. Not because it's about you, but because it is about him. Matthew 13, 44, Jesus gives this parable called the parable of the hidden treasure. Look at what he says. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. There's two perspectives to this that I think both are equally important. A man is in a field and he's digging and all of a sudden, oh my gosh, this treasure worth more than anything that I have. It's the best thing. It's the value, most valuable thing I've ever seen. But in order to get this, I gotta buy all the land. Thorns, thistles, wheat, barley, bugs, critters, everything. But oh, it's worth it. And Jesus says, this is what the kingdom of God is like. When you understand what the kingdom is, you're like, I've gotta enter into that. I'll give whatever and I'll work the field to get that. The other side of this is what this day is all about. That Jesus, true story, looks at you and goes, man, there's a lot of junk in that field. There's a lot of brokenness. There's a lot of work. Man, that that area of it's really hard-hearted. They've been through a lot. They're super calloused, afraid to get out, afraid to be rejected. And he says, but oh, there's treasure there. And the Bible says he endured the cross for the joy set before him. Number one, his joy, first of all, 
to obey his father because he knows his father is love. But also you and me. And it's that revelation that changes us from the inside out. When you see his infinite value and believe he died and was raised for you and me to have new life, we see this God of infinite value worth giving his life for us. He must consider you and me absolutely worth it. He must see more valuable in you and me than anyone else does. And you know how this is, because if you've ever been around people that don't value you, like you've been in a room and something they said depreciates you, or maybe they just gave you a look and you just feel less than you, feel slimed on. Have you ever been there? You feel that sense of depreciation, decreased in my value. So what do we do? We have to overcompensate. Because our pride and our comparisonism, like we have to get it back. So what do we do? We treat other people the exact same way. And so we, we have to feel worthy. So we got to find somebody else to look down on because we felt less than from someone else. So you're going to go find someone else that's less than you, less valuable in society. Even in a lot of our binge watching shows, like we'll find just crazy people just to make us feel better than ourselves. At least I'm not like that crazy person. Because we feel superior that way and it makes us feel more worthy. And this is a vicious cycle of constant depreciation of myself, of others, of the whole world. And let me tell you, that's exactly what hell is. A depreciation of everything around me to the point of nothingness. But when we look at what Jesus was willing to do, what he chose to do, we see someone who says, they're worth it. I've got to bring my kids back home. I'm extending this family because what I have in the Father, in the Holy Trinity, the joy that we share and love one another, they have to experience this and they have bought lies. And it has destroyed them. And when you see he values me, the God of the universe values me. Now listen, I can deal with your look. I can deal with the things you say or don't say because he values me. And not only that, I don't just go, well, God loves me. I don't care about you. But his love for me while I was a sinner. Now here's what happens. I start to look at you differently because I'm looking at him differently looking at the cross, and it says something to my person. And I go, how can I not now do the same to someone else? And it's this beautiful thing of appreciation, increasing the value of God in my life, increasing my value to him as he works on my field. And all of a sudden, I start looking at other people that before I would devalue and I start to appreciate, I start to increase the value of that person. No matter where you're from, no matter how much money you make, no matter what color you are, no matter what gender you are, I start to look at you and go, there's a treasure in there. Yes, there's work to be done because we are not done, but you are infinitely valuable because of what Jesus did. It's that that sparks something in us to go, I give my life give my love, I give my all. And here's the thing about appreciation. It, 
contagious. It's more contagious than COVID. It's more contagious than any disease. It's the most contagious thing on earth. As you start to appreciate someone else, increase their value, they start to believe it as well. And they see a heavenly father calling them son, calling them daughter based on what Jesus has, has done. And it's this beautiful cycle. And that's what Jesus says the kingdom of God is like. Nobody says it better than the Apostle Paul to the church in Philippi. And we're going to end with his words. Let's say this. As he talks to the church, Philippians 2. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. In other words, Jesus did the same thing. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, Therefore, there's that word again. Because of all that, look what God did. God has highly exalted him. He's valued him with the greatest value and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. It, the name that is above NFT, the name that is above gold, the name that is above whatever your treasure is, anything that can be named, God said, because you lived like this, showed them the way your value is the greatest, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Not just because we have to, because we want to. I want to serve a God like that. Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Will you pray with me, Father? Thank you for valuing us even over your own life. Thank you, Jesus, for valuing your relationship with your Father to trust him that he will resurrect and that power will change humanity. We'll start a new kingdom, a new administration, God. Lord, let us be people that are amazed by your grace they don't take it for granted, but truly say you are the most valuable to me.